Okay. Well, good morning, everyone. If you want to start drawing in, hope you've all caught up and told everyone what a lovely holiday you had or what a non-existent holiday you had, perhaps. And um, just to let you know that I want to leave a good amount of time for some, just some response in just singing the praises of God at the end of this. Um, my hope is that we just we get an opportunity to see him uh, a little bit more clearer. And as we do that, I hope that we'll just uh, be filled with awe and want to just give him the glory he deserves. So, so that's why we're starting a little bit early. My name's Chris, and um, I work for City Hope. And um, I get the honor and privilege of starting our new series today. We're going to be doing a series based in the book of Romans. And um, the place where we're going to be reading is up there now. But I thought it'd be helpful for you just to kind of know why we're doing this series and the thoughts behind it. And um, just before the summer holiday, um, I went out with the youth group, the younger youth, um, and they had just finished up finishing up a, a little series on church life, and so they had asked me to come out and answer some questions about City Hope. And one of the questions I got asked was, um, what's the vision of City Hope? Uh, and so before I answered that question, I said, can I let you into a little secret? Um, and the secret is, every church, or at least every church worth its salt, worth going to, has really got the same vision. And it's kind of packaged up in lots of different ways. But actually, what every church is looking to do, if it's worth going to, so Gary and Ruth, when you're looking for a church, the vision that a church needs to have involves these three things. One, it's filled with all sorts of people that love God and want to worship Him. Number two, it's filled with all sorts of people that love one another and want to serve one another and do life together. And number three, A good church is filled with all sorts of people that love the gospel and want to tell people about Jesus and want to bring hope to this world. And if you can find a church that does all three of those, then you are in a very good place. Um, And basically, this series, this book in Romans, is going to help us look at how, as a church, can we be uh, a group of people and individuals that love God and want to worship Him with everything we have? How can we as a church be people that love one another as much as we love ourselves? And how can we be a group of people that love the world that we're in? So the way we're going to do it is we're going to spend two weeks looking at worship, two weeks looking at um, loving one another and being a community together, and then one or two weeks just looking at what it means to be part of God's mission to show the love of God to the world. Um, So that's where we're going. Sound all right to you? Good. Um, So if you want to turn in your Bibles to our first reading, it's Romans chapter 11, verse 33. And you might be wondering, why are we starting a new series in the middle of a chapter, in the middle of a book? And that would be a, a good question. Got a very simple answer. We wanted to talk about worship, and uh, we, so we, we went to Romans chapter 12. It's a famous about, about, therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And Paul's going to be talking about that next week. But um, as we were studying it, we, we just kind of glanced up at this, what's off probably in your Bible called a doxology, which just means worship of God. This, um, this doxology. And, um, and basically, 
um, the whole of Romans, or the first 11 chapters of Romans, is Paul laying out a really methodical and clear explanation of why, what, what has God done through Jesus Christ, and what does it mean for, uh, for the Jews, and what does it mean for the Gentiles, and it's really quite clear. And, um, but it's almost as if by the time he's got to chapter 11, he just... He needs to stop thinking with his brain and just use his heart a little bit. And so he goes through this just, it's a splurge of worship, just trying to help us understand how great and how awesome our God is. And so as we were kind of thinking about, we want to talk about worship, we thought, how can, this is worship. This, this, this little doxology here is packed full of so much amazing truth about God. And, and so we were like, we have to talk on this as well. That's why we're in the middle of a chapter uh, in the middle of a book. So there you go. Right, I'm going to read it to us and, uh, and then I'll pray. Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counsel- counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Lord Jesus, we want to be a church filled with all sorts of people that love and worship you. And so I pray today as we unpack this amazing bit of scripture, I pray our minds would be enlightened as to how glorious you are. And you'd just give us a little bit more of a vision of who you are. I pray if any of us have got a small view on who God is, I pray this will lift the lid off of that. And we just pray, Holy Spirit, as we, as we look to live a life that brings you glory, I pray we would just get a better and clearer glimpse of who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today the focus of this um, sermon is going to be on uh, how we are called to love and worship God. And you'll notice that as I go through, I'm going to use the term loving God and the term worshipping God kind of interchangeably. And you might think, well, they're two different words. Love is a completely different word to worship. So why, why, why are you using both of them? And it's simply because of this. When it comes to our relationship with God, we cannot love God and not worship him. And you cannot appropriately worship God and not love him. And so the two are are kind of like two sides to the same coin. And, um, And so when we talk about love, we talk about worship. And you can see this principle in the life of Jesus. You see, as Jesus was doing his ministry, um, he had one group of people that absolutely hated him. They couldn't stand the sight of Jesus. They wanted him killed. They tried to stone him to death on a number of occasions. Anytime he went somewhere, they would be there arguing and telling people not to listen to him. Eventually, it was this group of people that got Jesus arrested on false charges, and then he was executed from from this group of people. Who were these group of people? Were they a bunch of atheists that don't believe anything about God? No. Was it uh, someone from another group of reli- uh, another religion? You know, the Romans, they had plenty of gods that they worshipped. Maybe it was those people that wanted to shut Jesus up. No. 
Maybe it was the criminal underworld, and they were cross because Jesus was talking to people about ethics and the way to live life, and people were changing their habits because of it. No, it wasn't those people. The people that were trying to get Jesus killed, the people that hated Jesus, were a group of Jews called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees weren't just a little sect on the side of Jewish society. The Pharisees were the leaders of the Jewish people at that time. The Pharisees were teaching, like, like what I'm doing now, they were the ones teaching. They were the ones, they, they saw themselves as a, a higher degree of Jew. They saw themselves as this, if, if you want to be a good Jew, be like me. They thought the way they worshipped God was the best way and the only way to worship God. And as they thought about themselves, they looked down on other people. But here's what's interesting. Jesus, God the Son, hated their worship. He hated it. He couldn't stand it. In fact, he said to them, you are like whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look all lovely and white, but inside, your heart is dead. You've got no love in there. Jesus said about them, these people, they honour God with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And this is what Jesus says about their worship. Their worship is in vain, and their teachings are mere human rules. Jesus hated their worship. Why? Because their worship didn't involve their hearts. You, ha- you can't worship God properly without it involving your heart. Now contrast these Pharisees with the disciples. The disciples love Jesus. Think of James and John right at the beginning of the story. James and John have been fishermen and their fathers were fishermen and their fathers' fathers were fishermen. And that's what they did. That was their livelihood. Until Jesus comes along and says, hey, drop your nets, come and follow me. Immediately they drop their nets and they follow Jesus. Why do they do that? Because they love him. They knew Jesus, and they're like, if Jesus tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. He's worthwhile. But what you'll notice, as, as the disciples, as you go through the Gospels, the disciples' love starts turning into worship. And so you find a few years into Jesus' ministry, he's got thousands of people following him. Jesus goes to the disciples and says, who do people say I am? Who do people think I, I am? You know, I'm doing all this stuff. What are people saying to you? And one disciple says, well, some people think you're John the Baptist. Other people say, um, you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Other people say, you're just a good prophet or a good teacher. And Jesus says, okay, disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, Peter's love for Jesus was turning into worship. And you see it again in Thomas, right at the end. Jesus has been executed. He's been nailed to that cross. And Thomas loved Jesus deeply. And he kind of goes into a bit of a depression. Quite understandably, he's, he's, he's devastated. Jesus has died. He's gone. His hopes and dreams and he's, everything he was been excited about for the last number of years had gone. He was sad because he loved Jesus. Until the moment he comes face to face with the risen Lord Jesus. And at that point, what is his response? He looks at the hands, he looks at the feet, he looks at the side, and he declares, my Lord and my God. You see, his love had turned into worship as he saw more and more the glory 
of Jesus. And so love and worship go hand in hand. And one of the saddest things a Christian can do can put, is to put limits on their understanding of who God is and how great he is. Or to put boundaries around their expectations of what God is able to do. So we limit God by um, living with a deficient view of who he is. If, you're, if, if your understanding of God is too small, you're going to limit what he can do in your life. And uh, you, you, can put, um, you can limit God by putting up false uh, boundaries concerning his power. You can put up false limits saying, God, I know that you can forgive me of my sins. You're able to do that. But you're not able to deal with this habitual sin that just keeps on going. That's limiting God. You're saying you can't do everything. And you can limit God by not bothering to spend time in his presence getting to know him. And I think that was one of the keys for the disciples is they spent time with Jesus and then they were able to worship him for who he is because they had spent time with him. And if you don't spend time seeking God's face, you'll put limits on what he's able to do in your life. And worship is about giving God the glory he deserves. Everything. God deserves everything. In the words of Ikea, the wonderful every day. He deserves it. Because sometimes we think, you know, this Sunday, I'm going on Sunday, this is my worship. This is the extent of it. That's not, that's not enough. He deserves it all. He deserves it all. If your worship is finished by the time we finish this meeting, and, and you don't think of Jesus anymore during the week, or if you don't spend time dwelling on the glory of God at any point this week, and your heart is not captivated by him, that's not worship to God. It's not worship to Jesus. Because he's not interested in just religion. He's interested in what's going on in your heart. And if we want to be a church filled with people that truly love and worship God, we need those limitations of what we see, how we see God to be lifted and those boundaries we construct to go away. And the thing about this doxology, the, the scripture that I've been reading, is Paul's not trying to reduce our understanding of who God is. He's trying to expand our understanding. There's a, uh, there's a film where it just goes, what is that? I don't know. Sorry. It's trying to expand our understanding of who God is. So what I'd love to do today is just spend some time meditating on the scripture we've been reading. I was in the car the other day with my kids, and they were talking about meditation. I don't know why, um, but they were talking about meditation. And one of the girls said to Simeon, my, my son, you don't know what meditation is. Shame. Um, and he, was, he said, yes, I do. It's thinking and humming at the same time. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good uh, explanation of what it is, I suppose. Um, but meditation is about, it's about thinking on, in our instance, it's about thinking on the truth of God. Whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is lovely, think on these things. It's about looking at a, a piece of scripture or a verse and just looking at it as many different ways as possible. What does this mean? What does it mean for me? What does it mean about the glory of Jesus? What does it mean from this perspective? It's about spending time and, and thinking and expanding our minds on, on the depth of what we're thinking, of, of what we're reading about. 
And today, if I could get you to do one thing, it would be to take these verses home with you and spend some time just meditating on them and allowing them to do something in your heart. And uh, even, you know, we've got the week of prayer coming up soon. On the Monday evening, we're going to give the majority of the time just to worshipping God and thinking about His glory. That's what we'll do. It's an opportunity for you to meditate on the glory of God. In the kids' meeting, we want them to stop for a moment and think about how great God is. The 36 hours of prayer, that what a great opportunity for you to meditate on the glory of God. And I want to encourage you, if you were thinking, I'm going to come to the 36 hours of prayer and do an hour, maybe do two. If you're going to do two, why don't, why don't you try and do four? And just get into the presence of God. That, that, that 36 hours of prayer room is going to be amazing. There's loads of ideas going around everywhere about how we can just aid our worship and focus of God just with lots of different things going on in that room. So definitely, it's on the Friday evening at Drummond. Make sure you get there and spend some time just meditating on the glory of God. Maybe you'll use the verses that we've got today. But we're gonna, I'm going to spend the last few minutes just, we're going to meditate on this together. So, I'm gonna, we're going to read it together, and then I'm going to bring a couple of points out. So I thought, just, we don't normally do this. If you're new to this, this isn't a very ordinary thing for us to do. But can we stand, and we're going to read this together. I'll start us off. One, two, three. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Right, do you want to take your seat? In a moment, I'm just going to draw out three things from this, just to help us think about the glory of God. But just for those of you that like to uh, cross the T's and dot the I, I just wanted to say, um, in some of your Bibles, it will say, oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, right? In others, it will say, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, um, now, obviously, there's a, there is a slight difference. It's not dramatic, but there is a slight difference in that. Um, I've gone for the riches and the wisdom, because then it gives us three. Um, and this is a preach, so you're supposed to do things in threes. But <laughs> just, to let, just to let you know that that's, uh, it's not a mistake, it's just different people think different things on it. So, so let's think about the, the richness, the richness of God. There is no limit to the riches of God. Have you ever stopped to think about how rich God is? This scripture here says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. All things belong to him. The place, the ground we're standing on belongs to him. Put your hand up if you're not from the UK or you identify yourself as coming from a different country. Just put your hand up. Do you know the land that you come from belongs to God? I don't care what other religion says they are. I don't care what flag 
is in, in, the, in the ground there. Your land belongs to God. It all belongs to Him. This country here belongs to Him. We're lent it for a little while, and God watches. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to honor me through the way you, you use what I've given you here? So we have it for a little while, but then it, it goes, doesn't it? But it all belongs to him. I had the privilege of going away um, to France for a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, every night I would look up, um, I'd annoy Ali by going out and, and looking out the scars, uh, stars. A couple of times I, I woke the kids up because they had to look at it. Because you, you get more stars out there than you do here. We get, I mean, if Heathrow's really busy, it looks quite nice here. But other than that, you don't get anything. But just the stars. And then you keep, keep searching and you see more stars and more stars. And it's brilliant. Deuteronomy chapter um, 10, it says, To the Lord your God belong the heavens and the highest heavens, and the earth and everything in it. He owns it all. Everything that is going in, in your life, the things that you're struggling with, the things that you're finding that are giving you lots of joy. He knows it all. The things that are running through your head right now, God is aware of everything. He knows it all. What a great God, hey? So there's no, there's no limits to his riches. There are no limits to his wisdom. So um, I've got a quote here from A.W. Tozer. Here we go. Have a listen to this. It's done a bit old English, but it, it kind of it adds to it, I think. He says this, Wisdom is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning so that there is no need to guess. So God knows the best, the most important thing. He knows what's going on, and, uh, and he also knows where we are now. I've just realized, stay up here, but I've, I told you a little bit early, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> sorry. Just go and sit down somewhere, you'll be fine. It makes the place look nicer anyway, so it's good. So wisdom is the, the, the ability to see the perfect end, but God knows where we are no, now, plus he knows the best way to get there, Okay? And one of the brilliant things about worship is it, it means we keep coming back to God so that we can stay on that line. Now, we'll deviate. We'll, go, we'll make mistakes and go this way and that way. But as long as we carry on worshipping God, we get there in the end. Okay? We just, he, he helps us stay on that track. And that's one of the important things about coming on a Sunday um, and, and worshipping God because it just brings us back on track. It reminds us. Maybe you're being reminded now, actually, do you know what? There's things in my life that I just want to bring back to God. And God's so generous with his wisdom. Can I tell you something? You can never give God any good advice. You can't do it. Put your hand up if you've ever tried to give God advice. Uh, yeah, we all do it, but we can't do it. He knows everything, okay? There's no point. But here's the great thing. He is generous with his wisdom. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him come to God and ask, and he'll give generously without finding fault. God's so generous with his wisdom. Um, another quote from um, Francis Chan. Isn't it a comfort 
to worship a God, a God we cannot exaggerate. You, you, we, I can't exaggerate God to you. That's one of the great things about this. It's like I can, I can go on and on about how great he is. I'm not exaggerating him. I'll never get to the end of it. We cannot exaggerate how, God, how great God is. Everything God is, he is perfectly. His holiness is perfect. His understanding is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. There's nothing we can add or take away. If you had to take, or if you had to kind of add something to God, he'd be less than God. If you had to take away something from God, he'd be less than he is. God, you cannot exaggerate him in any, any, any way. So there's no limits to the riches of God and there's no limits to the depths, uh, to the wisdom of God. And finally, there are no limits to the depths of the knowledge of God. He knows it all. Let me just read a little bit from uh, Psalms 139. I was also thinking this morning, actually, about um, in Job, where it's like Job's kind of been trying to give advice and his friends have been giving advice. And then God just comes in and just says, shut up. <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? Where were you when the foundations of, of the world were laid? Who, who are you to stand against me? <laughs> Incredible. But listen to this from, some, from Psalm 139. I won't read it all, but it's, it's all relevant. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is spoken on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too wonderful to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. You created my innermost being. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. That's our God. And he's a good God and he's a generous God and he's a wise God. What a great God. I want to, I wanna, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're nearly finished. I just want to read this, um, this quote from, a, sorry, loads of quotes, but there's a lot of great, great writers out there. Um, A.W. Tozer, listen to this. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all unuttered secrets, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and on earth, motion, time, space, life, death, good, evil, heaven, hell, God knows them all perfectly. And this is our God. There are no limits to his wisdom. There are no limits to his riches. There are no limits to his knowledge. And Paul, in this doxology, wants to help remove the blinkers from our eyes so that we can see more, more and more of the glory of the God we worship. He wanted us to see that our God isn't a small, tame, 
idol made by human hands, but he is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. There is no beginning and there is no end. Everything is held in his hands. All glory goes to him and through him and it's all for him. This is the God we worship. And if we want to be a church filled with all sorts of people that love God and want to serve him and want to worship him correctly, then we need to have an understanding of this God and we need to ask him, Lord, help me remove the blinkers from, the, from my eyes. Help me not just worship you on a Sunday morning, although worshiping on a Sunday morning is wonderful, but help me worship every single day of my life because he's altogether lovely and he's altogether worthy. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look again at, at what it means to live our lives as an offering of worship. And we're going to look at what it means to serve and love one another and what it means to love the world that God so loved. But in order to do this properly, we need to see God in his glory. We don't want a small God. We want to see the God. We want to see him in all his glory. So, give him everything you have because he deserves it. Meditate on his greatness because you'll see how glorious he is. And remember that everything comes from him and goes to him. It'd be lovely just to stand together, I think, and just worship God. I, um, Paul, Paul, the band's going to come back up again. I'll move out of the way. But I just I want to encourage you. There is something special. When we worship, we're declaring together what is true. And um, I don't care if you can't sing um, in tune. You can sing loud, okay? And I just want to encourage us to spend some time lifting up the name of Jesus and, and looking to take off those shackles and those kind of blinkers that stop us seeing his glory and let's focus and reflect on how amazing he is. If at any point you think you've got something that will help us lift our eyes, Pete King, that's probably you, <laughs> um, then come up and bring it, yeah? Because that's what we're looking to do with encouraging one another and helping us to see more of the glory of God. Amen. Amen.